Are you aware I wrote a book? (laughs) Of course you are, unless you're a first-time listener. I wrote a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People about my experiences at some of the most notoriously haunted locations in the world. Find out why Johnny G's Beat says one of my 2020 favorites or why Christina says wonderfully written and exciting. Katie says it's one of her best reads ever. Corey says it's paranormal investigating with heart. Head on over to Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble and just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by me, Kitsy Duncan. Oh, shit. Y'all are listening to Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Nick Floyd. I was going to say, this is either going to start like an NPR kind of thing where we, you and I are just both like trying to stay awake the whole time, but then it got this like Southern Backwoods podcast and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with me. I may or may not be bipolar mixed with a little bit of schizophrenia, so not been officially diagnosed yet and i will not attempt to be either um i have zero show notes nick Good. i was about to say maybe that's a new a new patreon level is like pay for the diagnosis for both of us live <laughs> what's actually wrong with the two of us yeah I'm it's like fucking a terrifying yeah it'll, be, it'll probably be like a ten thousand dollar um, Patreon level because that's probably how much it'll cost for the both of us to get it done. Well, yeah, maybe we can get a sponsorship from like BetterHelp or something. Yeah, there you go. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong hey, with us. Hey, BetterHelp, hook a hook, hook a couple creepy creepers up, if you will. Oh shit! So you know what? I meant to watch the new. Uh, paranormal activity fucking teaser and I haven't yet. I, I watched like three seconds of it and like a dog was barking or something. Oh, just wait. It comes out like next week. Just just Does wait it? and watch the actual movie. Okay. I think I she was on a bus and she was or in a car looking for relatives and that's as far as I got. I really don't know what it's about because it looks like there's some 1800s witchcraft happening but then there's like it's obviously shot on like a modern camera so i don't really know what what's going on there but i'll watch it yeah for sure i'll definitely I, watch it no I, I i love those movies again the first one is my favorite i should probably watch that since it is you know a couple days before halloween i should probably just find wherever that's streaming because i'm really not even sure yeah i've gotten to the point for whenever halloween rolls down whenever like ho- rolls around like holidays specifically so like christmas obviously we have like our christmas movies and stuff but i've gotten to the point where when halloween rolls around i don't have <laughs> like a truly scary movie that i watch it's usually all the the silly ones like yeah just the fun, you know, like the Halloween towns and the 
Ernest hocus Scared pocus. Stupid, the Hocus Pocus. Like, it's all the silly fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just that. Because, I, I don't know. I mean, horror, I think, has become such a staple year-round where, like, I don't need Halloween to be the time that I watch a horror movie. Of course not. Because yeah. we're us. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like it's a normal thing. So I guess I guess if I were to watch a truly scary movie, it would probably I mean Halloween would be the go to always, but aside from that, it's like Hocus Pocus, Beetlejuice. Yeah. That kind I, of thing. As soon as it's like September first, I'm popping in well, I mean, I guess that doesn't happen anymore, but I'm I'm streaming. Hocus Pocus. Popping in the um, VHS. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Those were the days. Did you see that uh, the first photos from Rob Zombie's The Monsters dropped? You know, I so I did. I saw it and I saw because I didn't I don't I haven't really been following it. Um, I don't Neither follow I. a ton of his work. So I didn't know who the actors were. And then when I looked, I was like, OK, it's Sherry Moon and it's people he's worked with. And then I saw Danny a- Roebuck is a personal friend of mine, so I am oh, that's super amazing. fucking stoked. Yeah, I was, you know, I saw it and initially I kind of was judgy that I was like, all right, Rob Zombie, you have an opportunity to make this movie. You have an opportunity to tap into the mainstream, like work with, you know, actors outside of your bubble. And then I saw a tweet that was like, everyone in the film industry needs to be more like Rob Zombie, a guy who is making movies with his friends and has been for his, the entirety of his filmmaking career. Just like Sam Raimi. Yes. And I was like, I respect that. I, I respect do, it's it. Fucking loyalty to the nth degree. I yes. love it. And I heard, I heard he and his wife are both. I just wonderful people. Oh, I would love to meet them both. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Which is crazy in the world of of that scene of music where you have like Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. You have that sort of uh, the, the staples of that genre of music. And a lot of them haven't really aged well in terms of, of who they are as people. But Rob Zombie, after everything, not, yep. not a ton of scandals that I know of. And apparently he's just a super stand-up guy and his wife is also, like Sherry Moon is also just a peach, like just a lovely human. So good for Speaking him. of aging rock stars with uh, drama in their recent past, have you seen Marilyn Manson lately? Oh last, my God. Last time I saw him was at the Kanye West thing and I was like, Lord have mercy. Yeah, Google recent pictures of Marilyn Manson. It's it's interesting. I had such a fucking crush on him. Oh my god, it was. I don't know what it was about him. Maybe it was the fact that is it a boy? Is it a girl? I don't know. Let's find out or what it was. But and or the fact that he was just naughty as fuck. Yeah. But I've always, until you know the scandal dropped, and I've seen these pictures of him. I've always had always had a crush on Marilyn Manson for all the wrong reasons, probably for the same reasons that he got in trouble for. I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I wouldn't really do it. Where would I? I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to the the <laughs> listener's discretion. But yes, not aging well at all. Sherry Moon Zombie, on the other hand, damn girl, damn. Yeah, she's always been. I mean, even from the the, the earlier zombie rob zombie stuff that i had seen and i was i was much younger but i was always like i'm like 
oddly into you. Like you, you are mm-hmm. a very uh, beautiful woman, and you definitely has a naughty side. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like <laughs> yeah. you know, there's that side, but she's just like she just uh, she commands any room that she walks in, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, that just. She has so much personality. I think she has yes. so much personality, and that shows in everything that she's been in. And she's just like she, every everything she's in. She just looks like she's happy to be there, even if oh, she's getting her hands dirty and like the gory li- and like scenes. killing people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Funny story. Like- I I was getting my hair cut last week because I did all the pamper things before the live event. I got the nails did. I got the ha- hairs cut. I got the Botox, all the stuff and all the things because. I'm that bitch, people. <laughs> but uh, I was having a conversation with the my hairdresser. Rachel is her name. I've only been to her twice so far, so I'm terrible at names. But she, she's lovely. I adore her. And she was talking about watching scary movies. And she said she she started watching The Devil's Rejects and couldn't make it through. She's not a mm. horror chick. I'm like, are you, a, are you into horror? Or are you just watching it because it's Halloween time? She's like... Um, no, on both accounts, but it was awful and terrifying and scary. <laughs> I said, shit that can happen in real life is the scariest horror movie ever. Yeah, I think I think a lot of horror, and I think from when it all started, it, from way back, even even the earliest horror films, like Nosferatu and Haxon and things like that. I think that it was all atmospheric. I think everything was the fear that you were feeling came from the atmosphere of the movie. And I think a lot of movies in the sixties and the seventies, um, even all the Hitchcock stuff, I think that tension is based on atmosphere and that's how you're building these movies. And I think Rob Zombie has this like backwoods, dirty ass atmosphere that's just so unsettling Literally. because yes. we've all been to that gas station you know like we've all <laughs> <laughs> and you're like god damn i wish i had a gun right now <laughs> yeah like even if it's the broad daylight we've all oh, yeah. been on road trips we've all walked into that gas station and we've all gone yep yeah and that's what it's like he he is the kind of the captain of like white trash cinema in a way. Yes. And yes. capitalizing on like the Hills Have Eyes horror element of it. <laughs> and it's so beautifully done. It is. And I'm like, well, girl, you got to watch. Because um, I got into a big story about Sid Haig and, you know, how the photo ops company was born from Sid Haig. And uh, she said she wanted to watch the other one, which is actually the prequel to Devil's Rejects. And I can't remember the name of it right now. But. Did it come after or before? Before. It had Rain Wilson in it. It had all the Captain Spaulding shit in it. With oh, Sid is it the House, House of a Thousand Corpses? Yes. Yeah, the- That's the prequel. So I said, well, go back. Stop where you're at with Devil's Rejects. Go back and watch A House of a Thousand Corpses. Because that, that one's a little more campy than yeah. like terrifying Deep South rednecks wanting to kill people just because they can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think there's a there's two ty- there's two Rob Zombies. I think there's like a Rob Zombie Unleashed, which is just like the darkest parts of Rob Zombie, which we saw in like the Halloween reboots with all of the really just horrific things that he 
showed in those movies plus like devil's rejects i think i think the monsters is going to be such a good opportunity to see a restrained rob zombie yeah who's actually like trying to pull back and not dig into those deep dark parts that are kind of not i mean they're just not like super fun to watch yeah. Uh, yeah. so you know i think devil's rejects that that those last 10 minutes or whatever was set to free bird really bring everything goosebumps. home you said the word free bird i got goosebumps but it like you you watched a lot of gross stuff and then you it ends and like it's almost campy but it still never goes all the way into it but when it ends you're sort of just like okay this is the movie that we got and Thank God it's over. Yeah, thank God it's over. But like, you, it doesn't leave. But with in the like, best way, I was terrified, kind of way. Yeah, but it doesn't leave you with like this awful taste in your mouth, where you're just like, God, I feel like I need a shower afterwards because it just can't be enough to where it pulls you kind of back down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think he's gonna nail it. I really do. I think it's it's he's reinventing himself, and at least I hope so. I I think he. I read somewhere he was a fan of the monsters, so hopefully he'll he'll pay homage to the monsters as it should be. Yeah, I I think it's going to be great. I, if you listen to a lot of Rob Zombie's music from the '80s, it's just all so clearly inspired by like '60s horror, mm-hmm. and I think the monsters was a, kind of a cult staple for people that like for him when he was probably when he was a kid. Yeah. Um. So I think he's going, if anyone is going to do this justice, he knows how to work a camera. He knows his way around directing a scene. He's put the work in. It's going to be, I think it's going to be like Eli Roth where, you know, he did all these movies that got trashed and that were gross. And and then he did House with a Clock in Its Walls and it was great. So beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's just like two different, two different things. It's, I'm, I'm, I will, I will see it. And I will be looking forward to the first trailer in 10 years whenever we get it. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of 60s TV horror, my grandson Abe, who is five, almost five and a half now. What are the dogs freaking out about? Eh, just nothing. Um, he dragged his dad, who is my oldest son, who can't stand anything that has to do with monsters, horror, anything like that, to the movies to see the new Adams Family movie, Aww. and I am so proud of him. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I saw the first one, didn't see the second one yet, but I know it's there, and it'll still be there. And the time yeah. I decide to sit down and watch it, <laughs> I have to watch the first. I, I still have to watch the first one. I'm a huge fan of the Adam Sandler Transylvania. Yeah, Hotel Transylvania. Yes, huge fan of those. I think there's a newish one of those as well. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. It is. Okay, there's somebody in my yard. It's fine. They're supposed to be there. I feel better. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, oh, that's sort of some paranormal activity stuff right there. The dog's barking. And- so, yeah, that's uh, some fun stuff that's either upcoming or just released and all the stuff and all the things. I did kind of fall down a celebrity uh, ghost story rabbit hole today because I didn't think we talked about the Kesha thing last week, but then you texted me and said we did. So I'm like, well, maybe for Paranormal in the News, I'll find, you know, some other celebrities' paranormal story. Um, it's not, but 
I did find out Mike Coulter, who's from both Jessica Jones and Evil, he had a childhood filled with ghosts, and it made me feel all warm and fuzzy. Oh, wow. So next time I see him, I'm going to have to see if I can get his paranormal story. Super stoked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like they a lot of the celebrities and stuff love talking about it because it's not like they're sitting in an interview with like entertainment tonight and they go, well, tell me, so I see you had a uh, ghost in your childhood. Tell me about that. Yeah. Like that's more yeah. of like a Hot Ones question. I feel like Sean Evans from Hot Ones would, would pull that question out, but... Unless the 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 article's supposed to drop in October, yeah, or or he's got a Discovery Plus show coming out. <laughs> well, there's that too. Also, Carrie Fisher had one. I guess somebody had died in her. A friend of hers had died in her house, and that she had this toy in her closet that swore surprise Carrie Fisher shit. Oh yeah, um, say you asshole and eat shit and stuff like that, and it would start going off on its own after her friend had died in her house. Eventually, her friends came in and had an exorcism done. And she was more disappointed that her friend was leaving, whether in spirit or not, than uh, it wasn't really behind the whole exorcism thing. She's like, I feel like he might still be here. I mean, this is a past article, of course, because she's no longer with us. But she's like, I hope he's here. But the toy's not going off anymore. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I will I will say, because I don't really have a ton of like recommendations. I mean, we just sort of talked about our Halloween movies. But if I ever have an opportunity to, I, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Because Halloween's around the corner, one of my favorite moments of any television, anything ever, is from this show that was on Comedy Central years ago. It's on HBO Max uh, called Nathan For You. Mm-hmm. And... Essentially, he it's all real people, and he goes to their businesses and gives them really, really, really bad business advice and tries to convince them to take it. And most of them do, and he documents them doing it. And so he finds That's this... That's a terrible idea for a show. It's But it's like... it's. It's so harmless and almost like endearing and cute and hysterical. But he goes to this realtor who's kind of having a hard time um, getting people to buy homes. And so he's like, well, what you need to do is you need to be the first realtor to deem your houses ghost free. That you need to, you need to be a ghost realtor. And so she she ends up biting and going into it and... Uh, she's trying to sell a house, and they end up calling uh, uh, a psychic to come in, and uh, or spirit medium to come in, and like he says, there's some energy in this house. So they call an exorcist to come and perform an exorcism of the house, and it is just one of the funniest, most brilliant moments of TV because this woman has had these like supernatural experiences in her past, and it all comes oh, out. Oh shit. And so the exorcism ends up becoming of her. And oh, it my is, God. Like, it's all real. None of it's scripted. It is. It's incredible. It's season two, episode one of Nathan for You on HBO Max is where you can stream it. I think it's on Hulu as well. Okay. But tis the season. It's amazing. It's probably only about a 15-minute segment because he does, I think, three businesses per episode. Okay. That sounds like a fucking blast. Highly recommended. 
Highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, snap. Today's paranormal in the news story comes to us from the Daily Record dot co dot uk there's no the in the website address and i believe it's an irish newspaper ish black history is our history no that has nothing to do with where they're at but i agree black history is our history well the headline reads bum pitching pinching ghost invades scott's pub as most haunted places are uncovered are you ready for this? Dun, dun, na, 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 na. A bum-pinching ghost is among the paranormal specters to haunt, oh, fuck me, A-Y-R Shire. Earshire? Airshire? Ayrshire? Sure. Just say it quick I- and no one will know. Arshire. Done. Over there the years. A new study shows the county is one of the most haunted places in Scotland. With over 40 apparent spectral sightings, Archer has creeped its way into 10th place in a spooky study. Tied with Arkney, both regions reporting 42 supernatural events, Archer has been ranked 10th place in Scotland and 50th place in the UK as most haunted in a list compiled by Camper van rental platform, Paul Camper. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. What? I, I trust you, that? camper van platform. I, I have to see where this Paul Camper link brings me. I'm sorry. I just... It's Paul Camper magazine. Okay. I feel a little better. I thought he sold RVs. I did too. I was like, does he sell camper vans? And he's like, 50 of the most haunted places in Europe. Exactly. Okay, so an invisible cheeky chap is among one of the hauntings to be reported in Arshire. Can they not say the name of the town anymore, please? It's claimed that owners of the Castleview Boozer in Dundonald called in paranormal investigators after staff reported having their bottoms pinched by an invisible assailant. Disembodied footsteps were also heard on site. The paranormal database goes on to record the otherworldly experiences of Archer's terrifying tales. Spooky South Archer reports multiple <laughs> sightings ranging from the 20th century to reoccurring events today, including the tale of a vengeful mermaid who cursed the mistress of Nakdolian Castle, leaving the estate without an heir and two investigations of witches that led a paranormal investigation to a dead tree in Craigle, believed to have been used to hang a witch, which cursed the area with her dying breath. One of the most heartbreaking reports comes from Ur, no Shire this time, with multiple sightings of black dogs roaming the woods. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I did that story many moons ago. Black Shook. Right? Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's thought the dog was killed by its master, who mistakenly blamed the pooch for killing a child, not the dog. It was later discovered that the dog had tried to defend the infant from a wolf. That motherfucker. Not the dog, Mm. but the owner. Yep. North Arshara reports 12 sightings, seven being uh, in Erin, 
of sea monsters, UFOs, eerie manifestations, and even a dragon which was said to have been slain by Darley Blacksmith. East Archer was also has also spotted UFOs, and one holiday maker even claimed to have crossed paths with a nine-foot-tall, hairy man with glowing red eyes. I think we need to go to this place, I cannot say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it ranked 50th if it has all of those stories. Maybe you shouldn't. I mean, seriously. Like, maybe this town shouldn't lead with the butt-pinching ghost. And they'd I mean, be taken more seriously, I guess. I mean, they have all the things from yeah, the black dog to the big feet to the ufos to the aliens to the dragon left to the left to the right to the right to the dragon yes it's just i don't know i feel like that is probably something like like we've both been to europe i feel like that the bum pinching ghost is probably like something they would name a drink after and put on like their yelp page like this is what we're known for and then call the day uh, I mean, yeah. But if they hadn't written that story, we wouldn't have found out how cool our sure is. Oh, absolutely. Our shire, your sure, whatever. Yeah. Anybody in over there, just let me know how that's pronounced. Tweet at a bitch at Kitsy Duncan. <laughs> I would I'd make it a marketing it. thing. I'd be like, anytime you feel your bum get pinched in the bar, you have to take a shot or buy a beer. Or buy the whole or, bar of beer. I was just going to say, <laughs> buy around for the entire bar. <laughs> Turn it into money. Turn it into money. Yes, sir. <laughs> and definitely a specialty drink. One million percent. Oh, yeah. The, okay. bum, the bum pinch. It's like Guinness with Fireball and, and cinnamon. Some Jägermeister? Ooh, there you go. Sounds terrible, but I would drink it. If it was named after a ghost. Yeah. Or, I mean, I feel like if you walked into a bar and knew nothing about the, the, the perverted spirits living in it and there was a drink called the Bum Pincher, you'd probably order it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I would do it. I'd, I would, I'd, like, I'd be like, don't tell me what's in it. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. And then I'll take Irish car bombs for everybody. <laughs> That's drink what made something. me go to the Jaeger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just got the chills thinking about Jaeger. Okay. Terrible, terrible drink. Mm -hmm. We are not sponsored by Jaegermeister. However, I would enjoy that if we were. Okay. (laughs) Nick and I decided, well, no, Nick knows for sure. It's my turn to go first. So I'm just going to jump in. Shall I? I think you shall, or else we'll just sit in silence until someone does it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that just sounds uncomfortable. Okay, so it's Halloween weekend, kiddos. I mean, like I needed to tell you all that. It's time for parties, skimpy costumes, x-raying candy, and the veil between our world and the spirit world is at its thinnest. It didn't take me long to find a weird yet creepy yet kind of murdery with a healthy dose of ghost sightings for this week's story. I'm about to tell you the story of the bedsheet ghosts, and that story goes a little something like this. I cannot believe I knew nothing about this story. It's insane. So, wearing his finest black outfit, Francis Smith stared nervously at the three judges in London's main criminal courthouse. 
a mild-mannered excise tax collector, Smith had no known criminal history and certainly no intention to become the centerpiece of one of the 19th century England's most unusual murder trials. But a week earlier, Smith had made a criminally foolish mistake. He had shot and killed what he believed to be a ghost. What? Yeah, oh, just you wait. The spectators inside the courthouse sat hushed as the prosecutor and cross-examiner questioned about a half a dozen eyewitnesses. Each person had seen Smith in the village of Hammersmith, which is now part of London, the night of the crime. Or they had previously seen the ghost that Smith was zealously hunting. One eyewitness, William Girdler, the village night watchman and Smith's ghost hunting partner, had not only seen the white-sheeted specter lurking across the street, he had chased it. <laughs> I feel like that's not a really good... Uh... Not a good witness. His well, partner. <laughs> okay. Know, character witness. Yeah. <laughs> for it's not for little, the better. It's not like little Timmy the newspaper boy who's like, I saw it too. I saw it too. It's like his partner backed him up and saying that he too saw the ghost and chased it. But I mean, he was the night watchman. So I, maybe that. That's, that's, those are a lot of responsibilities. The night The watchman. ghost hunting night watchman. <laughs> Okay. When you pursued it, the cross-examiner asked, how did it escape? Slipped the sheet or tablecloth off and then got it over its head, Girdler responded. It was just as if its head was in a bag. How long had the neighborhood been alarmed with its appearance? About six weeks or two months. Was the alarm great in general? Yes, very great. Had considerable mischief happened from it? Many people were very much frightened. Girdler was telling the truth. The people of Hammersmith had reported seeing a ghost for weeks now, and they were terrified. The specter was verifiably violent. It assaulted men and women, and during its two-month campaign of harassment and intimidation, it had successfully evaded capture. Rumors swirled that it could manifest from graves in an instant and sink back into the mud just as quickly. At the time, the magazine Kirby's Wonderful and Scientific Museum reported... <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible name for This a magazine. all sounds like a Tim Burton movie. Everything up to this magazine title. <laughs> Great idea. I, love, I would watch this movie. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> reported that the ghost was so clever and nimble in its re retreats that they could never be traced. When Anne Millwood took the stand, the cross examiner asked if she was familiar with these reports. Yes, I heard great talk of it, Millwood explained, that sometimes it appeared in a white sheet and sometimes in a calfskin dress with horns on, it on its head and glass eyes. The ghost also reportedly took the shape of Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> mm -hmm. Other accounts said that its eyes radiated like glowworms and that it breathed fire. I mean, these are some pretty tall tales. What year was this? Um, 19th century Britain, so 1800s. Uh, I feel like 
there might have been some sort of uh, paraphernalia involved in this town. <laughs> so opioids or they didn't have quaaludes of some back sort. then. Yeah. <laughs> they did. I mean, who knows? Maybe they probably were called something else. Probably. All the poppy seed muffins. Okay. Um, it must have been incredibly difficult for Millwood to describe the ghost's appearance, especially in front of a public audience. The ghouls she characterized looked nothing like her late brother Thomas, the young man whom Francis Smith had mistakenly murdered. So, in 19th century Britain, seeing a ghost, at least a person dressed up as one, was not uncommon. Ghost impersonating was something of a fad. I mean, (laughs) sure. With churchyards and cobblestoned alleyways regularly plagued by pranksters, loiterers, and other sheet-wearing hoaxsters who were up to no good. I had no fucking idea. This story blows my mind. This sounds ridiculous. This whole town sounds like it's just fantasy land. People running around with sheets on. and It was all of Britain. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Well, according to the story that this guy wrote. Okay. Ghost impersonators only needed a white sheet. Up until the 19th century, the bodies of the poor weren't buried in coffins, but simply wrapped in fabric. Sometimes the sheet of the deathbed, which would be knotted at the head and the feet, ghost impersonators adopted the white sheet as their de facto wardrobe as early as 1584. Wow. For Fox, that's a long fucking time. Yeah, it is. When Reginald Scott, a member of Parliament and witchcraft aficionado, wrote that one knave in a white sheet hath consent which means deceived, and abused many thousands that way. It's from this practice that the trope of a white-sheeted ghost originated. 17th and 18th century Britain are sprinkled with accounts of phony phantoms. Take Thomas Wilmot, a famed crook and highwayman who once disguised himself as a spirit to steal money. He went in with chalked-up skin and a sheet-bound head, and he sent a table of gamblers scrambling for an exit when they saw him. Wilmot then pocketed the cash they left on the table. I mean, it's fucking brilliant if you think about it. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And then by the 1760s, so many white-sheeted pranksters were prowling in cemeteries that annoyed citizens were paying bounties to get rid of them. According to the annual register, one ghost in southern Westminster struck such terror into the credulous inhabitants thereabouts, such big words, that those who could not be brought to believe it a ghost entered into a subscription to give five guineas to the person who would seize him. (laughs) So they're paying... Paying people to get rid of these fake ghosts in the real cemeteries. But which, like, what one is more terrifying than the other? If they're all, like, someone's white sheet is scarier than the other one? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Aye, aye, aye. These pranks had consequences. In 1792, a ghost impersonator in Essex spooked a farm worker steering a wagon. The horses jumped. The driver tumbled and his leg was crushed by one of the wagon's wheels. He died from his injuries 12 years later. You know, I feel like that wasn't from his injuries. 
I feel like he may, maybe was a heavy drinker. I don't know. <laughs> he died. Well, maybe he sustained injuries that killed him twelve years. Twelve later. years later. <laughs> uh, maybe he was drinking from the pain, and uh, anyway. or anything else happened. Literally. <laughs> He could. We don't know the age of this man. He could have been eighty when it happened, and he died at ninety-two. <laughs> I mean, I kind of see that's how it went down. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Soldiers in London's St James Park spotted the specter of a headless woman, an event that authorities took very seriously, if only because it was distracting, and reportedly harming its security guards. <laughs> Oh, it was harming its security guards. In the 1830s, a ghost impersonator was tried for manslaughter because he literally frightened an 81-year-old woman to death. (laughs) (laughs) This town seems out of control. (laughs) I know. I know. It was dangerous for the so-called ghosts, too. In 1844, six men chased a ghost impersonator and beat him so badly that he was admitted to the hospital. I mean, this is the most fucked up story I've ever done, I think. (laughs) And it's, I'm assuming based on fact, I found it on the interweb, so you never know. In 1888, a mob of 50 villagers, all armed with sticks, surrounded a, hard quotes, ghost... (laughs) And only released him after he agreed to donate money to a local infirmary. <laughs> this is like a really fucked up episode of Scooby Doo. Like they're all like, take Literally. it off, take it off. I knew it was oh, you, it's little old man Willie Jenkins. Yeah, <laughs> little Willie from the puppery. I knew it was you, you son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, like many other pastimes in the 19th century Britain, ghost impersonating was a gendered activity. Women, especially young female servants, were often restricted to mimicking poltergeist activity indoors. <laughs> but this was the biggest thing. Acting like you're a fucking ghost. Rapping on doors, moving furniture, throwing rocks at windows. While the sheet-wearing hijinks were reserved for young men who far too often had scuzzy intentions. <laughs> I did not choose the word scuzzy. Okay, so most accounts of ghost impersonating, both modern and historical, gloss over the fact that men often use their ghostly cover to intimidate, harass, and sexually assault, and even rape women. In his precise and critical account of ghost impersonators, spirits of an industrial age, the historian Jacob Middleton argues that ghost impersonating was not only the domain of juvenile pranksters, but also that of sexual predators. This was made most painfully clear in the 1830s, the height of the hauntings by Spring-Heeled Jack. I have actually been meaning to do a story on Spring-Heeled Jack, and I think this is all I'm ever going to cover about him is right here because he was a terrible, terrible man. They didn't cover this part in the uh, uh, mysteries at the museum. Every day, London's women had to contend not only with the persistent threat of cads and street harassers, but also with men the press dubbed as monsters, menaces who stalked, grabbed, groped, slashed, and stabbed women in the breasts and buttocks. I didn't know this was the thing either. These criminals 
took sexual pleasure in piercing the skin of women. In the early 1800s, these predators started to take cover by dressing as ghosts. Spring-heeled Jack, called a monster in human form, was among them. Hiding in alleyways after sunset, he would seek lone women, knock on their doors, and attempt to tear away their clothes with hooks. Thanks to London's sensationalist press, tales of Spring-Heeled Jack would bloat into urban legend. So the mysteries of the museum, he sounded like a lovely ghost that was just a prankster. I didn't touch on that shit, so I will not be covering that motherfucker. But even before Spring-Heeled Jack, on a normal evening, the women of Hammersmith were justified in feeling worried about stepping outside after dark. Organized police forces were a relatively new idea in Great Britain, and solitary neighborhoods such as Hammersmith were protected by little more than a roving constable or watchman. (laughs) Back to old dude's friend, who was a terrible watchman and was chasing after the ghost. Yeah. Reports of the Hammersmith ghost intensified that anxiety... No, reports of the Hammersmith ghost intensified that anxiety. It's the where you put the emphasis on the right word. Um, the Morning Post reported, the ghost was seen on Monday evening last pursuing a woman who shrieked dead, dreadfully. Although there were four male passengers in the stagecoach, which passed at the time, not one durst venture to the rescue of this distressed female. It wasn't until weeks of attacks that bands of locals, their bellies sloshing with ale, supplied the nearest supplied by the nearest public house, began taking to the streets to stop the menace and the neighborhood and I'm assuming this is when the neighborhood watch was born. It was at the intersection of these two sad facts that the stra- the tragedy at Hammersmith unfolded. Francis Smith went out on January 3rd, 1804, to catch a ghost, while Thomas Milford went out to ensure that his wife, who was walking home alone in the dark, did not meet one. Thomas Milford was told he resembled the Hammersmith ghost. He was a bricklayer. Millwood wore a white jacket, white trousers, and a white apron, an ensemble that scared a carriage-riding couple one dark Saturday night. When the passerby explained to his wife, there goes the ghost, Millwood turned and uncorked a few colorful and unpredictable words asking if the man wanted a punch in the head. After the incident, a family member named Phoebe Fulbrook implored Millwood to change his wardrobe at night. Your clothes look white, she said. Pray do put on your great coat that you may not run into any danger. Millwood mumbled something about how he hoped the town's vigilantes would catch the ghost, but he neglected the advice and continued walking home in his white work clothes. A few nights later, Francis Smith and William Girder went ghost hunting. Compelled by reports of the ghost's violence, the men carried firearms. Hammersmith's spirit had choked a man, and the village swirled with rumors that it had even attacked a pregnant woman who later died of shock. According to one report, the apparition caused so much alarm 
that every superstitious person in that neighborhood had been filled with the most powerful of apprehensions. But superstitions mattered little. Ghost or not, there was undoubtedly a public menace in Hammersmith, and people wanted it gone. A bounty of 10 pounds would be awarded to anyone who caught it. That same night, Thomas Millwood stopped at his father's house and began chatting with his sister, Anne. Sometime between 10 and 11 p.m., she suggested he leave and escort his wife, who was still in town, back home. You had better go, Anne said. It is dangerous for your wife to come home by herself. Millwood agreed and stepped outside, wearing his white bricklayer's clothes. He didn't know that he was walking down the same unlit lane as Francis Smith, shotgun in tow. When Smith spotted the white figure gliding in his direction, he lifted his fouling piece to his shoulder and yelled, Damn you! Who are you? Stand, else I'll shoot you. The air stood silent. He yelled a second time and stared down the barrel. Not hearing any response, Smith fired. Millwood's sister heard the gunshot and screamed for Thomas, but like Smith, she heard no response. She later found her brother lying face up on the dirt lane, his face stained black with gunpowder, his white clothes stained red. The moment the smell of spent gunpowder hit his nose, Smith knew he had made a mistake. Millwood had been killed instantly. The shot entered his lower left jaw and exited through the back of his neck. Smith barged into the White Hart pub in visible distress, possibly in shock, and waited to be arrested. One week later, he stood trial at London's Old Bailey Courthouse, the jury deliberated for 45 minutes before returning with a conviction of manslaughter. The three judges rejected the sentence. The court have no hesitation whatever with regard to the law, Justice Rook exclaimed, and therefore the verdict must be guilty of murder or a total acquittal from want to evidence. In other words, the jury could not be wishy-washy. Smith was either guilty of murder or not guilty of murder. The jury needed to decide. In the end, Smith would be lucky. His sentence was sent to His Majesty King George III, who not only delayed the execution, but eventually granted Smith a full pardon. The Hammersmith ghost trial, however, would haunt England's legal system for almost another two centuries. Smith's case would remain a philosophical head-scratcher. If somebody commits an act of violence in an effort to stop a crime from occurring, only to realize later they were mistaken and that no crime was being committed, is that person still justified in using violence? Or are they the criminal? British law would not be make room for this gray area until the 1980s. Within minutes, Smith was convicted of murder. He was sentenced to hang the next Monday. His body would be dissected in the name of science. Meanwhile, the tragedy in Hammersmith failed to deter England's many ghost impersonators, pranksters, and creeps alike continued wearing bedsheets in dark cemeteries and alleyways for almost another century. In fact, the ghost of 1803 and 1804 would not be the last specter to haunt the village of Hammersmith. 
Two decades later, a ghost would return, but this time villagers whispered rumors that this haunting was real, caused by the angry soul of a white-clad bricklayer named Thomas Millwood. Covered in goosebumps. <laughs> Jeez. It's like, how did we make it this far as a society? I know. Like, obviously, we, like, we're in America, obviously, but yeah, it's just the perfect example of, it's just something. The fuck? <laughs> so clearly gone wrong. Um, It's, I don't know. It's, it's like, it makes you think historically again that was like it's europe or the u.s but like historically how long it took to get like rights for women and yet the the way that this whole thing went down is like the men were the ones who escalated it to the point of like criminal activity and sexual assault and the women were just like oh this is we're just gonna like have fun and, and, knock and on startle a wall. you. Yeah. yeah, like knock on a wall and be like, oh, who's there? Who's there? Like have yeah. a good time with it. I don't know. I feel like if this isn't studied in like psychology, it should be studied in psychology regardless of where it happened. Like these are still humans, whether they're European or American. Mm-hmm. They're still human beings. And this is like such a descent into madness. Oh my God, uh, yes. I mean, it started off as fun and get, and... You know, in human nature, they just took it too fucking far. Well, it's because they had they were given power. I think that like when you, I think the power of creating widespread fear, and the power of getting away with it over and over again, caused it to get out of control. I think the moment that you give people power, yeah. I mean, when we've seen it a lot over, you know, it like it's you. The story started with us laughing quite a bit, and then the laughter died very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> but I think it's just sort of a look. It's sort of like a look in the mirror for a lot of what we've seen in the world mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of years, as far as like if you just give people enough power, if you make them feel powerful enough, that's when a descent will start to occur. Literally. And like a man got shot dead. Yeah. And. The people decade for a well, decade afterwards were still doing it. Yeah. I think it was, it was like a century. A century. Sorry, yep. you did say a century. Yeah, I, I'm I don't know. It, like I, I always am surprised how we got where we got. Like I always say that or I'm like, oh, I'm surprised we're where we are. But also at the same time, like I mean, yeah, I guess I am truly surprised that like we are where we are. Yeah. Now I, and that we've made it this far. And it's it's sad that I mean, not this specific case, but how history just does repeat itself. It's just a different story with the same ending, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over and over. It's, it, I don't know. This is such an interesting, like, study of, of what fear can do to people and sort of giving power. I think the idea of, like, the neighborhood watch being like, we'll pay you if you can shut them down. It's like, well, you're not telling me how I can shut them down, so I'm just going to go light them up. I mean, truth. <laughs> Absolutely. I did not write this story, so I got to give a shout out to Lucas Riley from mentalfloss.com. He did a great job, and I still, to this day, had no idea why when we, as children, think of dressing up as ghosts, we put sheets over our head, but now it all makes sense if it goes back to the pauper's graves and things of the sort. That's so many 
questions were answered, but yet so many more popped up. I'm not sure if I feel satisfied with that story or not. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely interesting. I know the sheet ghost thing, if I'm correct, um, that uh, many, 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 many years ago when people would 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 pass, um, they would be covered in a white sheet. It wouldn't be like a you know, a body bag. It wouldn't be any of that. It would just be a white sheet. And so yeah. it was always the perspective that last time you saw someone's corpse you saw it covered in a white sheet therefore a walking white sheet was scary yeah yeah so. for sure I love the more it. you know exactly. even though i could be wrong gi <laughs> okay let's take a quick break and we'll be back with nick's story and i can't wait is it time to spruce up the place are those cobwebs not really decorations do you just need a change Well, I've got the deal for you. Dot & Bow has so much to offer. Everything from just sprucing up the bathroom with new towels to light fixtures, living room furniture, bedroom furniture, even office furniture. They have everything from the top trends today, or maybe you're just looking for that haunted mansion type vibe. And I mean, same. Dot and Bow has everything you need. So head on over to tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Help out the podcast, spruce up the place. I mean, we don't want Aunt Susan walking in again this holiday season saying, oh, nothing's changed, do we? Do it now. Tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Not every haunting is driven by evil. It happens even in the most mundane of places. Down the block, around the corner, and sometimes in our own homes. Paranormal Crossroad is here to bridge the gap between the living and the dead. Are you living through a haunting at home or at work? Do you need answers? Contact the all-female paranormal research team today. Go to pxroad.com to get the answers you seek. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there. And this store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Things are a little crazy in the world right now, but you know what makes it better? Our fur babies, of course. Whether you're a dog person or a cat person, a fish person, a bird person, Maybe you like turtles. I mean, most of those last ones don't have any fur, but you know what I mean. It always helps to save a little money. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash OFChewy to save a little money on our fur babies and help support Oddity Files, the podcast. It's so easy to do. Just head to tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. Do it. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. 
from their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month. And yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash getshutter tinyurl.com slash getshutter g-e-t-s-h-u-d-d-e-r let's get scared one thing the pandemic has taught us is comfy is key am i right you need to check out fabletics with styles for both men and women, whether you're working out while listening to Oddity Files or, you know, just hanging out on the couch watching something creepy on TV. And now, with this exclusive Oddity Files promo URL, which is tinyurl.com slash VIP, you can save 70% off of everything or get $12 bottoms when you buy two, head to tinyurl.com slash fabletics.vip. New VIP members exclusive 70% off statewide offer valid in select Fabletics products on the first order you place as a new VIP member and is subject to availability at fabletics.com. Offer cannot be applied to previous purchases or the purchase of gift cards and cannot be redeemed for cash. Offer cannot be combined with any other offer, promotion, or discount. Discount is automatically applied at checkout. No promo code necessary. Just head to tinyurl.com slash fabletics VIP. Tell them Oddity Files sent you. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash fabletics VIP. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, They want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bones coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. And we're back. (laughs) You can wait. You can and you did. (laughs) So... This is one of those things. This is going to be kind of a sequel to your story last week. A little. Just a little bit. It's a shorter one. But I. this was brought to my attention because I do follow the Expedition Bigfoot Museum. Shout out to one of the greatest places in America. Um, Expedition Bigfoot in Blue Ridge, Georgia. They actually posted a piece of the story and it was a new piece of the story of someone kind of stepping in to provide a realistic perspective on the story that had been since shut down by the U.S. government. Oh, fuck. So I had never heard the story before. It is a little squatchy, 
but can't wait. Yeah. So this is this is a pretty this is a pretty wild one. So here we go. This comes from where I live dot com and it was written in October of 2020. Oh, awesome. Throughout history, tales have been passed down of men fighting monsters. These tales are generally loosely based on real life encounters such as the Kraken, likely being a giant squid, or Bigfoot, possibly being just bear sightings in dense forests. From UFOs to the Loch Ness Monster, these fantastical beasts and the associated stories dominate our imaginations. One monster race which can be found in the stories of most cultures is giants. From fairy tale Jack the Giant Killer to David vs. Goliath in the Bible, giants are depicted as huge, violent beings. Depending on the story, they're said to feed on humans or livestock. Many cultures use giants as a foe for the hero of the tale, demonstrating the strength of a character and intelligence over pure brawn and stupidity. There's a little history for you. Love it. While giants have been confined to ancient tales, books, and films, a modern story has emerged from Kandahar and Afghanistan. While supposedly taking place in 2002, the story wasn't picked up widely until 2016 when a YouTuber named L.A. Marzoli posted an episode of his series called Watchers. The episode featured a supposed military contractor or soldier who said they witnessed a blade-wielding giant kill one of their fellow U.S. Special Forces soldiers. Oh, snap. Yeah. The giant was then downed by the remaining troops. Following the skirmish, the giant's body was loaded into a military transport aircraft and flown to an undisclosed location to be hidden away from the public. Sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. Area 51. According to the supposed eyewitness, the uh, what's deemed as giant of Kandahar was 12 to 15 feet tall, 1,100 pounds with scarlet-colored hair and six fingers instead of five. The witness and his team were sent to a remote area to search for a patrol which had gone missing. As they arrived in the area, the giant emerged from a cave wielding a huge blade which it used to skewer and kill his friend who was named Dan. We have names. We have descriptions. This is definitely true. Literally, yes. One million percent. When questioned, ish. When questioned directly, the U.S. Department of Defense stated that they had no record of the incident occurring. Which, why would they state that they even did in the first place? It just doesn't make sense. Furthermore, they said the only member in service who lost their life in Kandahar in 2002 with the first name Dan or Daniel was one of four soldiers who lost their lives during an accident involving the clearance and disposal of explosives. Hmm. Sure. This hmm. statement can be backed up by looking through the U.S. Department of Defense press release page, which publicly lists all military casualties. The press release page does not contain any records involving a giant or an entire patrol disappearing in Afghanistan. Of course it doesn't. Yeah, Cover sure, up! Like, exactly, exactly. Like, don't act like it's... Yeah, okay. Although this cast doubt on the story, this has not stopped conspiracy theorists and monster enthusiasts from discussing the story as a whole. Upon the release of the YouTube episode, which brought the story to light, several websites which are used for discussions about conspiracies and monsters crashed with uh, the traffic from people rushing to look into and talk about the story. Oh, shit. Pretty crazy. And this is 2016. This wasn't too long ago. In the interview in question, the witness goes into a lot of detail regarding the incident. 
The witness and the victim were part of a special ops task force looking for a missing U.S. Army squad. After trekking along a mountain trail, they arrived in a large cave surrounded by broken military equipment and gear. As they prepared to enter the cave, the giant emerged, impaling Dan, and proceeded to attack the rest of the squad. The witness states they took 30 seconds of continuous fire to down the giant. Between them, the squad was armed with M4 submachine guns, a 308 and 762 recon carbines, which are semi-automatic rifles, and a 50 BMG Barrett, a 50 caliber BMG Barrett sniper rifle. This much firepower concentrated on one target for one second, let alone 30, would create a lot of damage. Damn it, they Stating forgot the rocket launcher that they, day. Grenades, rocket launchers, yeah. where's all that? Stating that they fired for 30 seconds would mean that the target was something big, if the story is true. According to the witness, the giant wore canvas or animal hide covers on uh, on to protect its feet like moccasins and smelt like dead bodies. The creature's body was airlifted back to the squad's base by a helicopter and net, a la King Kong from Godzilla oh, vs. Kong. God, I it's wish so I could crazy. have seen that. I do too. From there, it was loaded into an aircraft and taken away, never to be seen again. Wah, wah. Upon the return, the soldiers were made to sign non-disclosure paperwork to stop the word spreading of their encounter. The witness states that he broke his silence because, quote, People have the right to know what's happening on our planet. Yeah, we do. So whether you believe it or not, this certainly makes for a compelling story. The thought of a cave-dwelling giant who can slay special forces soldiers in a single blow makes the hairs on your neck stand up. Throw in a government cover-up and you have something which will keep conspiracy theorists fueled for years to come. So do you believe in the giant of Kandahar? I believe anything can happen. It's pretty crazy. So there, it kind of goes um, deeper. That's just sort of a, um, because it was a whole interview. And so this story really kind of compiled it all together. But apparently uh, in Afghanistan, they say that the, uh, the giant is actually that of the lost race of the Nephilim. The, the fallen angels. Yes. Okay. Just recently heard of those yeah and there's some like renditions so there are like artist renditions that are that look really good um that were on the youtube channel so i'll make sure to send like one or two to you yes please but yeah so there's this there's this whole thing i mean apparently there are several places in afghanistan where the fallen angels reside one is a dam that is uh not too far from uh kandahar in afghanistan where the sighting happened where they say that that's where the fallen angels are being held prisoner and they're essentially the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is why so much war happens and has happened in Afghanistan. Just take that story and make it even more fucking terrifying, Nick. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. It's uh, it's crazy. So anyway, so I, I had, I'd seen the story on the Exhibition Bigfoot page of someone else adding more to the story. As uh, the years go on, I think more is building and more of the survivors who were a part of the squad are coming forward. Oh fuck! As uh, as the government is sort of lifting the uh, strict nature of 
the supernatural and paranormal, like the UFO sightings and things like that. So, so. do you think the real reason we pulled out of Afghanistan was the giants? Uh, I mean, I just hope they can't swim. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking it's, terrifying. It's, it's very interesting. I think the idea that I I would believe that there are giants who are living either, but in giants not being thirty feet tall, I think I think ten to fifteen foot humanoid people living within our cave systems or beneath the Earth's surface is more plausible to me than little green men on Neptune. You know, yeah. like you've got a point. You've got an excellent point. And yeah. I, I kind of feel like they're just the less hairy version uh, and a little taller than our dear friend, uh, the man with the big feet. Yeah. yeah they I both mean, smell like a, death. They both, they both, I mean, they, they will do whatever they have to survive. And we still have civilizations of people who, who were living like the cave people were, where, you know, there was some, uh, years ago, but someone flew over and they were, they were going to do a news story and they were flying to land and all the tribes people came and were chucking spears at this plane, this helicopter. So it's like, yeah, if that civilization can exist, who's to say that these humanoid giants who were as tall as basketball players aren't residing somewhere on Earth? Yeah. The Earth is too fucking huge. We cannot know what is in, on every inch or within it, if yeah. you will. Yeah, it's it's too big. And I think that if they are simple-minded in that their lack of technology, I think they might hide out of fear. Yeah. So, Or attack out of fear. Right. Huh. Lots to think about there, sir. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Very, very good choice, sir. Now I've got something else to be scared of. <laughs> I I have our, our last listener story, people. Our very last one. We're here again. It's happened. Because. Uh-huh. No, I take it back. I just got one today. So we're in our second to last listener story, people. This is some serious shit. I need you to drop whatever you're doing, unless you're driving right now, please continue um and i need you to send me a story send me your stories your grandfather's stories your cousin's stories your brother's stories your the weird guy at the office story when he was trying to freak you out or hit on you we're still not sure about that one urban legends all the stuff and all the things you got it we want it oddity files crew at gmail.com okay guilt trip over for now (laughs) The subject line of this listener story is creepy shit follows me. Hello, Kitsy and Nick. I'm really shitty at describing places, but a quick story for y'all. When I was 13, I was getting ready to head to Universal Studios Orlando with my mom and sister. About a 40 minute drive for us. I, being a teen, did my hair and makeup and took my sweet time. So as usual, I'm last in the upstairs bathroom while my mom and younger sister head to the car. Mom's bedroom is right beside and connected through the bathroom that has a door to her closet. There's a linen closet directly across from the bathroom door where I grab my hair products from and I've left the door open. I hear the car start as mom's room is above the open car port. I'm finishing up my hair when suddenly hear my mom's voice cussing and yelling at me. I believe she called me a bitch. 
It was over and over and over again. I hear her stomping down the hallway. Now I'm facing the mirror so she would be in on my right as she slams the door to the closet. I glance over and see the back of her head, hair, and she's wearing a white shirt. I started apologizing as she continues into her room and into the closet, flipping the light on, and the wind chimes on her closet entrance go wild from her slinging the door open. She always closed it when not using the room. I open the linen closet and put away my hair oil and gel and walk in moments behind her saying, I'm sorry, I'm done now, but she's not there. Confused, I walk further into the L-shaped closet and yep, no one. Now the light's on and she would have had to have either entered the bathroom or passed back by at this point. So my brain is trying to catch up while I shut off the light and close the door. I head to the stairs when the fear hits and I'm scared it's coming after me. So I haul ass to the car, hoping not to get pushed while I'm rushing the stairs. I get into the car and there's mom and my sisters singing along to the radio, all happy-go-lucky. I noticed mom's shirt is blue and asked, did she change? And is she still mad at me? She said no, and she wasn't mad. So I just drop it. Years later, it came up again while watching Ghost Hunters together. When mom told me she had only seen lights as a kid in her house, I went on to explain that I saw what I saw, and mom freaked out, thinking we had been living with something evil. She went on to explain, I used to hear voices, in parentheses, I'm aware, not something you forget hearing, And she didn't know how to handle it other than ignore it because of her religious upbringing. I'm still not sure what I saw as I didn't see a face, but we went through a lot of emotional trauma in that house. So we assumed it was related to that. But that's just one of many things I've experienced in that house and well, everywhere I've lived. So it's not the house, it's me. Thanks again for taking the time to read. Tabby. Tabby's the one who had sent us the gin story a few weeks back. Mm. So, yeah. I, you know what? I, I feel like I've heard a story similar to this where it was the mom and getting ready and all this I'm just, stuff. I'm sitting here like, is this deja vu or have I heard something very, very similar? Well, I remember specifically the other story that mom's shirt was red. Yes. Um, I remember that she didn't go. The other story, she didn't go looking for mom. She just got in the car. I was like, God, I'm here. I'm ready. What? And and the mom's like, what? So apparently this is a fucking thing. Yeah. I kind of want to like, I want to figure out what episode it would have to go through a lot. It was in the last like two months that we did a story very similar to this. And I want to go through and I want to find that story. And if it truly, if that one is a truly different story from a different listener, I, I'm now on a streetlight journey where I want to know if this is actually a thing that's, that happens consistently and why it happens. Yeah, especially to teenage girls. She was 13. That's about the age where, you know, hormones get a little wacky where, 
Females around that age can call, cause poltergeist activity with their chaotic energy. So it's super interesting. Yeah. Very And I think intriguing. the other story, she, she had to go to school. And yeah, this one, think, they're going to Universal. I think it was school, the other one, but it was the same thing. Like the the mom was swearing at her and... Yep. Yeah. Uh, very... Uh, I need to do some research. For sure. Hey. Got my homework to do. Tweet at us. Did did you go through the same scenario when you were a 13-year-old girl or boy? I, I, I need to know. Same. Cool. Very curious. Well, let's leave keep it me in- up at night. I know, right? I We got to let it go or we can sit here and, and dwell on it forever. <laughs> Guys, send us your stories. I'm not even fucking kidding. Next week, it's the mommy voice if you don't send them in. Mm-hmm. Send you them don't to- want that. No, you do not. Oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Check out all the stuff and all the things. Buy some merch. Buy my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan at flow.page slash oddity files um huge shout out to our patreon members and our patreon producers which is patreon.com slash oddity files those producers are doug moldenlock donald blanchflower and ryan hoke you guys are making the dreams come true especially during halloween so Mm -hmm. we thank you and i'm kitsy duncan weird is the new cool and I am Nick Floyd, Ghost On. And on and on and on. And on and on and on. I have no idea where that <laughs> Thanks for listening. Head to flow.page slash oddity files for all things oddity files. Links to our merch, links to our sponsors, links to all the things oddity files. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you spreading the word. Please don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Again, all things Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. Theme music provided by James Grice. Edited by me. Take care. We'll see you next time. No, you won't. You'll hear us next time. Bye.